You're listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly interviews on topics to help entrepreneurs make their first or next step in business the right one. I am your host, Alex Sanfilippo. When we're communicating with others digitally, whether that be through video, audio, or even text, it is important for us as the senders and the receivers to correctly interpret the personality of the person that we're communicating with. Unfortunately, research shows that this is not the case. In fact, with emails, 50% of the time, the tone is misinterpreted by the recipient. To help us improve our digital connection and trust with people that we're communicating with online, I am bringing on an expert in this topic. Her name is Erica Dewan. Erica is an award-winning keynote speaker and is the author of the book titled Digital Body Language. Today, Erica is going to help us learn how to express our digital body language so we can begin building greater connection and trust with those we're communicating with online. For links to resources that will be mentioned during this episode, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 112. And now here is my conversation with Erica Dewan. Erica, welcome to the Creating a Brand podcast. It's an honor to have you with us today. It's great to be here. Yeah, very excited about this. And also, I want to mention that I really enjoyed your book, Digital Body Language. I learned a lot from it. You did a phenomenal job with the book. As a matter of fact, when I was getting organized for this episode, I'm usually like a really organized person. Like as I'm reading it, I know the questions I want to ask, but I had a really hard time getting my thoughts organized because there were so many things I was just learning about how I could improve my digital body language. So I'm excited to jump in and say, well, just have to see where the conversation goes. But again, great job to you with what you did here. Well, from your emails already, I think you're already pretty good at digital body language. Okay. Well, thank, well that means a lot. So oh, yeah, yeah, you've seen an email from me. So wow, that, that's a lot of pressure. I didn't realize the pressure that I'd be under. <laughs> Absolutely. Many have said, you know, did I get my emails right with you? And I, I like to say, we are all learning together. So uh, don't sweat the small stuff as we navigate our new digital world. That's really well said. You know, I'd like to start off just wondering, because I'm wondering personally, like what made you decide to write this book and, and how'd you realize it was even needed? I grew up as a shy and introverted girl in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My parents were Indian immigrants and at home we spoke Hindi, which meant at school I had accented English and really struggled to find my voice. I was the quietest kid in the class. One of the things that I developed because I was so shy was an ability to decipher other people's body language. I would watch the popular girls with their heads high, the cool kids slouching during school assemblies. And it really taught me that it's not what we say, it's how we say it in today's world. Fast forward, body language became my superpower. I learned how to build my own confidence and trust with others, uh, began and developed an entire career as a communications and collaboration expert. But fast forward, you know, about five years ago, I kept hearing my clients ask the same questions. Questions like, why is there so much misunderstanding and anxiety at work? Or how do we better connect with different ages and working styles? And what I realized was that a lot of the miscommunication at work was because there was no rule book for the body of our language in a digital world. Just like I was an immigrant to traditional body language as a kid, Today, we are all immigrants to digital body language, but most of the time, we don't know how we are sending signals and cues. We're doing it blindly, accidentally, or just plain wrong. That's why I wrote Digital Body Language, to solve these challenges for myself and for many others. I love that. I love the way you said this, that we're all immigrants in this world of digital body language. Like It's different. We're all learning it and we're navigating it. I will say you're ahead of the curve, though, because I expected you to say you kind of came onto this idea during covid 
but you said five years ago, which was before COVID as the time we're recording this. So good for you for being like ahead of that curve and realizing it was needed. Yes, I, I, I started working on this book back in 2017 and almost wow. every publisher said, said, you know, a digital communications guide is a bit too niche for us. Um, but luckily, uh, you know, the world has changed in many ways and I never expected digital body language to be as applicable. It's not just for office workers, it's for teachers teaching and online learning, it's for doctors doing telehealth, it's for uh, courtrooms and online negotiation and for families in online engagement with their loved ones. And in many ways, uh, all the ways that we've learned traditional body language, we now have to adapt regardless of our personal or our professional lives. Well, first off, thank you for not giving up and just deciding, okay, I went too focused and can't can't write this book. You, you stuck it out, and now it's really, really needed. And I want to start off now with talking about a definition of what digital body language means, because I assumed when I picked up the book, the first thing I thought when I saw it was, oh, this is going to teach me to look and sound better on camera when I'm speaking at conferences or in front of a group, right? But it actually embodies so much more than that. So can you talk a little bit more about what digital body language means? Yeah. Digital body language are the cues and signals we send in all the formats of our digital communication that make up the subtext of our messages. Everything from the word choice we use in our emails to how we greet and sign off an email to our response time in a text to the punctuation or emojis we use to our virtual video call backgrounds are signals and cues that can either make or break trust, empathy, respect in our digital world. Many of us think that body language has disappeared, but it's just transformed. and. The way that I'll encompass what digital body language is, is it's it's truly about how we make others feel in a modern marketplace. And so remembering that those different signals that you send in all of the facets of how we work face-to-face -face, when we're running hybrid meetings where people are coming in on screens and in the room to uh, in that email exchange to that group a virtual event all manifest through our digital body language. Hey, Alex Sanfilippo here, and I want to take a quick moment to intentionally serve the world with you. Here's what I want you to do. Think of the one person you know who would most benefit from listening to this episode today. Now, I want you to send it to them, but also include an encouraging note explaining why you share this episode with them specifically. By doing this, you're helping me grow this podcast, and you're also adding value to the people you care about. With that said, thank you for your continued support. It means the world to me. And now let's get back to today's episode. Now, I'm thinking about this this whole idea of digital body language, and the first thing I start thinking about is the different mediums that are out there. I mean, we, we have so many different things at this point, right? So you've got uh, the video conferencing, you've got uh, instant messaging, you've got social media, and you've got the classic. It's called a telephone or a cell phone, right? Like, we, we can do... Those are all different ways. What, what's right? that? I don't know what that is anymore. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Last week, I had somebody who I was supposed to be, do, be doing a Zoom call with, and I think I had lined up 20 different Zoom calls that day. And they're about halfway through. They emailed me about five minutes before and said, any chance we could just connect on the phone? Talk about refreshing. My goodness. I got a break from standing in front of a screen. I was like walking around talking to this person. It was beautiful. Anyway, side rant there. But when I'm thinking about all these different mediums, do you recommend for individuals, companies, and, and groups of people to come up with standards as to where what should be communicated? D does that make sense what I'm asking? We have many digital mediums now, whether it's text, IM, video calls, phone calls, you name it. 
Now, when it comes to using good digital body language, one of the most important skill sets is to choose the right channel and also know when to switch the channel. We have a lot of video meetings that should be emails, a lot of texts that really should be IMs and vice versa. And so a simple rule of thumb you can use is to set some norms within your team, with your colleagues, even with your clients if you're selling something, to make sure that you're sending the, the right and appropriate digital body language signal the, the three factors you want to consider are number one, complexity of information, number two, urgency, and number three, familiarity with that person. So let's start with complexity. Is this high complex? Is it a deep PowerPoint presentation where you need to have a nuanced discussion or it's a negotiation? Maybe opting for that video call or that thoughtful phone call can be very valuable in that case. Always sending the details, the agenda in advance with the information beforehand. If it's low complex, is this a yes or no answer? Send a quick IM, send a Slack, send a text, depending on your comfort level with that person. The second factor is urgency. Now, each digital channel implies a different expected response time. With text, we may expect you know one to three hours or the same day. With uh, you know, when someone leaves us a voicemail, maybe we'll respond in two days, and we're like, what's a voicemail? Do we even remember those? If someone sends an email, maybe that's 24 to 48 hours, and in some cultures, it can be up to a week. Uh, and with an IM, sometimes it's a quick response within the same business day. But if you send it overnight, maybe I'll get back, get to it in the next business day. Now, knowing which channel to use is important because you don't want to be a serial texter who's texting someone all, all the time for low, um, low complex, non-urgent issues. Uh, I've been in that situation and I'll have to just respond and say, got it, I'll get back to you by email or I'll get back to you Tuesday. Uh, and you also don't want to be that person that's setting up um, you know, phone calls or video calls when people need some time to schedule. And there is sort of an implied learning that it takes, you know, to up, up to one to three days to book that call. The third key factor is what I call familiarity. Now, uh, you know, when it comes to how we engage with others, we're often choosing the channel based based on our trust levels. Is this someone we know very well? A text, a phone call out of the blue is completely normal. Or is this someone we're selling to? We're trying to work with their assistant to get on their calendar and taking a more formal route is appropriate versus just calling them out of the blue. So once you use the, that, those three factors, you can make sure to know which channel to use. And I'd like to argue good digital body language is also knowing when to switch the channel. If you get four reply all emails, pick up the phone. It's worth a thousand emails and know when to switch the channel as much as use the existing channels. Erica, I, I love this point because it really speaks to organization as well. It's not just the body language, it's also organization. I mean, I, I've got some people who text me very complex questions. And if they would have emailed it to me, I would have responded in probably just an hour or two. But because it came over a text message, I have to think about it more. And it's three days later before I'm like, I am so sorry. Like, I couldn't keep focus because all these other texts were coming through, right? But I, I think that what you're sharing here is, is is just gold when it comes to making sure that we're keeping our digital body language organized as well. And I'm wondering, do you have any sort of like tool that you use for yourself just to say, if if it's this type of conversation, have it here. If it's this type of person, you can talk to them here or here. Like, how do you recommend somebody keeping organized if they're just getting started with this? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I think is important is that good digital body language is about simply being thoughtful, not hasty. There's a lot of rush that we have to be the fastest to respond, the quickest person to jump in on a call. But if you wanna have good presence, if you wanna create your brand, uh, especially in the digital and hybrid workplace we're in, 
we need to be thoughtful first. We need to ask ourselves three questions. And I actually have a box in the book that's called How to Pick the Right Digital Channel that you can use to ask yourself these three questions to know how to master digital body language. The first question is, am I using the right medium? Is this really better? Should I pick up the phone versus responding to this text because of its, its nuanced? Or is this a quick yes, no? Second is, did I give the recipient what they need to do to answer this question or this comment, to do exactly what they need next? Oftentimes, we'll rush off an email saying this needs fixed or do this, but we won't give them exactly what they need to do their best work, and brief, low-context messages are some of the worst ones when it comes to building a good brand. The third final factor is, am I using the right tone? Remember that different channels have different tones. Phone calls, video calls may be a bit formal in terms of how they start, but then you can get informal, you can have chit chat. And an email, and in, in especially an IM and text, you may want to avoid that chit chat and get straight to the point. But sometimes you can feel empowered to use punctuation, like ex exclamation marks to show excitement or an emoji, especially if there's high trust to show enthusiasm. It's a good point. And, and you know, I, I'm going to recommend everyone listening to grab a copy of this book. If you're just saying, I, I, if you're hearing this already, and you're like, I need this, grab a copy of this book. Because as Erica just mentioned, there's a lot of resources that go beyond just the text within these these pages. So and I'm very thankful for them. I've, I've been going back over a couple of these different graphs and things like that you had in there that have just been very helpful for me personally. And I'm, I'm jumping ahead here for a minute. I'm, I'm going to circle back to some minute, but you just mentioned uh, an emoji, a GIF, maybe is the same category for me, at least it is. What are your thoughts on using these? Like, when are they appropriate? When are they not? And really quickly, I'll mention, I have three younger brothers, and we've known each other most of our lives, right? Or all of our lives for some of us. Yeah. And we can have entire conversations with zero words. It can be GIFs and emojis, and we all know exactly what the other person means. But that doesn't translate with everybody. But I think some people, I'm finding that they try to do that. And even though I'm pretty well-versed in those things, I'm like looking at their email being like, what on earth are they trying to say here? <laughs> right. um, but, but anyway, what, do you, what are your thoughts on, on this topic of emojis and GIFs or GIFs? I don't know how to say it. <laughs> yeah. So in many ways, emojis are like the new facial expressions. We can show happiness, sadness, gratitude, excitement, frustration, all through the power of that one simple smiley face. And if you didn't think emojis were a uh, you know, a norm in the past. Think about this. Back in 2015, the Oxford English Dictionary cited that the word of the year was the tears with joy emoji. Uh, they are a norm now, not the exception. However, I recommend you have to think before you emoji. The, the best thing that you can do to make sure to use emojis correctly is to ask yourself two questions. The first question is, who has more or less power here? in this communication dynamic. And the second question is, how much do we trust each other? Now, when it comes to power dynamics, if you're maybe selling to someone new that you've never met before, you may wanna err on the side of formality first and then start to throw in those emojis as you are getting to know someone. And once you've had had at least one touch base, if they are definitely a digital native, uh, then it may be totally okay, but you might want to be conscious of some of these signals before you actually meet someone, whether on the phone, video call, or in person. If you have more power, you can actually use emojis to create intimacy with others, to set a standard. I know leaders that have told me they tend to skew older. They say, I remember the moment that I moved from an exclamation point and deleted it and used an emoji. It was like a rite of passage. <laughs> and while this just may be the way digital natives have communicated since they were in middle school on instant messenger, for others in the workplace, it's actually new, a new thing. It's kind of like using the word awesome, which wasn't a common phrase five, 10 years ago in the office, and now it is. 
And so navigating and asking yourself what that power dynamic is will help. The second is trust levels. If there's high trust, err on the side of using your authentic style. If there's low trust, maybe be conscious of if you are sending something and there's confusion, maybe not just assuming that someone will get to go with the smiley face, knowing when to pick up the phone as well can be thoughtful. Now, when it comes to especially how digital natives are using emojis, uh, some of the recent research has shown that uh, ellipses, the dot, 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 for digital natives can feel passive aggressive. They're almost like hostility, but for those that I call digital adapters, those that feel like immigrants really to remote and virtual communication and are doing it for the first time since the pandemic, it feels more like you know an omission or a continuation of a conversation. Research is actually showing now that many digital natives are starting to use emojis as ironic or sometimes passive aggressive. Like, could you do this? question, you know, emoji instead of a question mark, which kind of signals, okay, are you being sort of uh, ironic with me or hostile versus a digital adapter may actually use it as just a friendly gesture to show a smile. So we have to think before we emoji and also at the same time, assume good intent and not get emotionally hijacked. That's so good. Uh, This leads me to another question real quick. It it made me just think of a story that I had completely forgotten until I just heard you talking about this. Uh, Years back, I was part of the leadership of a certain service at our church, my wife and I's church we go to, and there was a whole lead team of people. I don't know how many, 30 or 40 people in this one group text, and it was like, you shouldn't do that anyway. But anyway, there was a lot of people, and everyone was putting a thumbs up for something that was said, like, hey, we're all going to get here this time. And one of the guys accidentally sent the middle finger instead of the thumbs up. And uh, it was, it was, it turned a little bit of an uproar. It was hilarious. It was so funny, but he was like super embarrassed that like that's what he sent instead. But anyway, um, <laughs> knowing your surroundings is important. What a great example. Right. And sometimes we'll make mistakes. We have to give grace and give others the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but I think that's a hilarious story. One, one quick fun fact about the thumbs up emoji is that it means different things in different parts of the world. In fact, in Western nations, the thumbs up emoji means, uh, you know, approvement, approval or agreement. In countries like Nigeria, Nigeria and Iran, the thumbs up emoji is actually a vulgar or offensive emoji. It means to sit on it. And so actually, uh, similar to regional dialects or cultural accents in traditional body language, we have different digital body languages in different parts of the world. That is fascinating. And that actually brings me right into this next question I was wanting to ask you anyway, talking about people's ages, genders, cultures, whether it's work culture or where you are in the world, you have to really think about how you can communicate with these people, right? Like our how we convey our digital body language is important. We have to take that into consideration when we're wanting people to do, do business with us. Like that's important. How can we really understand the way that we can convey ourselves in a way that's attractive to other people that you'd want to work with them, right? Or and not be offensive. Like, how can you kind of come up with a standard for yourself? And like, I, I don't think you'd say don't be yourself, right? But you have to kind of figure out how you can communicate in this new world. Yeah, there are nuances across age, gender, culture. And I think the first thing we all have to remember is this is like learning a new language. We're in foreign countries and learning different languages because we all don't speak one language. We speak different languages in digital body language. And And one of the things that I think is important here is simply 
getting comfortable being uncomfortable and also being willing to ask for help. I'll give you an example. I know a leader of a team named Brad. He um, has a, a, a team of many digital natives, those that are really seeped in the language of digital body language. They've been using it since they were in middle school. And then he has team members that are who he'll call digital adapters, more of the immigrants, more of the traditional formal users of bullet points and phone calls and, and such out of the blue. Now, um, he manages two direct reports that have different Slack channels for their team. And Allie, his direct report, has a Slack channel for her team that is beautiful. It's everything's formal, bullet points, bold and underlined headings, like clear clear structure and when calls are. Uh, and Brad feels at home. He knows exactly what's happening on Allie's team. Then when Brad goes to Dave's Slack channel, it's emojis, gifts, memes, like one word acronyms, and he has no idea what's going on. Right. And at first he was actually quite nervous. Are they getting anything done? But then he discovered that the output, the quality of the output was actually the same between Allie and Dave's team. And if he were going, if he were to try to make Dave's team more like Allie's team, he would actually lose their creativity and authenticity. And so when it comes to navigating our differences, we have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. We have to check our own bias, assume good intent and create a, a, a framework to know when to ask for help, to get up to speed. I'll give you an, another example. I know a leader, she runs a global team. She's based in New York. She has team members in London and Buenos Aires, and in Sydney, Australia. She was regularly on Zoom calls and she found that her Buenos Aires colleague was not engaging on calls. At first she thought he was multitasking, then she just thought maybe he's not interested. Finally, she said, maybe I should stop assuming and ask. She sent him a, an IM and he said, I'm having such a hard time translating three different English accents when English is not my native language, an American, British, and Australian accent at the same time. So they started using Zoom closed captioning to make sure he could get up, up to speed. They also started to use the chat tool more, which not only is powerful for those with accents or those where English is not the first language, but also for introverts who were already fighting for airtime in the office and now have a moment to think and then share their thought. And it's creating much more engagement than there ever was in the past. So my goal is that digital body language can actually flatten a lot of the traditional body language biases and create more inclusivity overall. Wow. That's phenomenal. You know, I, I needed this years ago. I'm thinking back to an email that I wrote when I was, I did 15 years in the corporate world in the aerospace industry. And toward the end of that, I actually uh, was running a department that was very busy. And there was someone who I'd been working with for a few years. Now, he was from another country, much older than I was. And I remember I was, my team was just slammed. We need to get some things done. So I emailed him knowing he was going to be leaving the office soon because of the difference in time. So I'm like, I need to email this guy real quick. And I just wrote an email really, really fast. Just said, hey, need an updated price for part number, blah, 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 blah. Can you please get that for me ASAP, period, send, and send it off. And previously, I had different interactions with him. And I, I got an email back about 10 minutes later. It contained the price I needed, but it also included how offended he was. Because usually I start off, yeah. hey, sir, how are you? I hope you're having a great day. Thank you so much right. for the, the quick response. And he said, he said, no, hello, how are you? No end to your email. Like he said all this in it. And from that day forward, I actually never worked with him again. I had to pass him off to a team member because he was so offended that he never wanted to have a communication with me again. There you go. This impacts teams. And, and we have to remember that we actually are creating a brand using our digital body language, whether it's blind, accidental, or intentional. And, uh, you know, I've been there too. Alex, I've, I've done silly things um, where 
I, I sent an email to a Karen, but to the wrong Karen. And then I was so embarrassed because I was hasty, not thoughtful. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you another example. I know a leader who sent a message to his boss saying, do you want to speak Wednesday or Thursday? And his boss responded, yes. And I use that example because reading messages carefully is the new listening and writing clearly is the new empathy. And the more that we understand that we don't walk the talk, we don't talk the talk, we write it. We write the talk and how we use our written and verbal communication today plays such a bigger role than just our traditional body language. So the more intentional we can be, the the better. And also when to forgive uh, individuals when they may be short or curt or seeming abrasive when they're just on a plane and rushing to get a message out. Yeah, I've, I've learned to have others' best interests in mind when they write something that seems to come across wrong. I just do my best to think, okay, they're probably busy. Like, I, I try to do that. But this is a good segue into where I really want to end this conversation today because I want to talk for a, a little bit here about email specifically. Uh, in the book, you talked about how this is this is the most popular communication tool, right? I mean, this is kind of where the world's at right now. And you said it was actually according to, the, I believe it was the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, that 50% of the time tone is misunderstood or misinterpreted in emails. So I want to talk about that. Like if 50, that's half the emails we're sending, people are interpreting differently the way that we mean for them to. How can we, we begin to change that? We are tone deaf and we have to become tone deaf. We have to remember that technology creates masks and it flattens our communication. Uh, even different punctuation marks, capitalization, uh, question marks, emojis can mean different things even to different people in email. I'll give you an example. An all caps message saying we need to talk for some can feel like shouting, especially from a boss. For others can feel like urgency, especially in a text. And for others can feel like excitement, especially with someone that we have high trust with. So we have to remember that we may even read different language in our emails in different ways. So let me share four quick tips on how to write effective emails in our modern day world. The first tip I have is to make sure that when you are sending email messages, you always answer the three W's. The first is, the what, what do I need and why? Second, when, when do I need it? And the third I already said is why, what's the context behind it? Sometimes if we just very quickly go to the what and we don't give the when, people think it's urgent when it's not, um, or they'll prioritize things that aren't important, or they'll think you're rushing them when when you're not actually, you, you're trying to be thoughtful, but it doesn't come across. We can't see if someone's on the verge of tears or excited when they're reading our email. The second key tip is master the art of the subject line. I like to say it's the make or break of whether someone wants to read your email. Always clarify exactly what you need from the other person or what they will get out of the email. Don't just have update or the no subject or the I hate the R-E-R-E-R-E <laughs> that we'll see. Get clear and to the point around what you need. I know teams that have response time expectations. They'll put 4-H, which means I need this response in four hours, or 2-D, which means I need this in two days, or one of my favorites is N-N-T-R, which means no need to respond, so that you don't feel pressured to have 15 okay emails. That's just clogging everyone's inbox. The third key tip I have is to think about the body of your email as visual. People read it like websites, bullet points, bold and underlined headings. Get to the point quickly, make the message scannable. It can go a long way in making sure that you show good digital presence and create a brand for others that you get to the point and that you value their time. And last but not least, if you need to discuss something nuanced, 
it's better to really avoid vague or hedging language like you know, we could discuss this, or this is interesting, period. Uh, it's, it's better, especially if you have to come with a decision to present options to individuals. Do you want to do A, B, or C? And actually using those options versus having an open, open-ended open question like thoughts question mark or what do you think of this question mark can can often cause people to not respond because that, that open-ended question is actually much better in a phone or video meeting. When you're sending an email, answer the three W's, what, when, and why. Number two is to master the art of the subject line. Number three, think about the body of your email as visual, make it scannable. And number four, if you need to discuss something nuanced, present options. Uh, recently, I sent an email as I was reading your book and realized that I was not presenting options. So it was really funny. I sent an email and immediately I was like, that's not what Erica told me to do in her book. I sent a, <laughs> a follow-up right away. I'm like, hey, so sorry, hit send too soon. Here's what I was thinking, some options for you. So I, I applied it a little late, but still people appreciated. I got better responses because of it. So thank you for sharing these four points here. And and let, let's be honest, you know, brand is about building trust. Right. And trust today is about valuing people's time inboxes, calendars, and schedules. And so if you get to the point, if you're thoughtful, not hasty, if you're clear, not just brief, you will build a brand that lasts throughout time and build virtual relationships in a way that are just as powerful as in person. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. I want to mention one of the of those points that you had. Number three, when you're talking about making your email more visual, make it something you can scan through, that's really important. I think a lot of people miss that. When we have these giant kind of run-on paragraphs or just multiple paragraphs with nothing breaking it up, a lot of people, myself included, if I see that email, I am going to get back to you because I get back to everybody. That's important to me. But I'm going to flag it for later because it's going to, I can just already tell it's going to take a lot more attention. But if you just break it up with like a subheading in there, or bullet points, I'll go through it right away because I feel like, oh, someone put a lot of thought into this. I know where my focus needs to be. We live in a distracted world, right? We're all busy. So doing that really helps a lot. And a great way to, to learn this, Erica, maybe you have some other ideas, but I just go to really popular blogs and look at how they make things really scannable. Yes. Uh, I myself am a, a blogger long term, so I've been able to just kind of learn some of these methods. But people can just go explore this and see, okay, this is how you keep something interesting and scannable. Remember that you have a digital persona. We all do. And it shows up even in your LinkedIn profile. Did you create some space between your bio? No one wants to read like 15 lines down in a row. It can be helpful to present yourself. Uh, were you thoughtful of even your profile and the words that you use so that you get to the point quickly? The, the, the notion that our written communication is visual, just like video, just like in person, will help you understand that you are signaling visual cues to others just simply in how you design your text. Erica, I loved this book. I love this conversation. I want to ask before we end our time together, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners on this topic? Creating a brand is about mastering digital body language. Be clear, not brief. Be thoughtful, not hasty. Remember that you can find your voice even while online, uh, but take the time to experiment, ask for help, be thoughtful of digital natives versus digital adapters, and check out my new book, Digital Body Language. I hope it will help all of you grow in your careers. Thank you so much, Erica. I really appreciate you sharing that and just helping us all improve this digital body language in this new world we live in. Thank you again for being here. Thank you so much. Although every episode of the Creating a Brand podcast is full of practical application, some of it can be incredibly challenging. 
and maybe not even fun all the time. But what Erica shared with us today is one of those areas that's actually fun to improve in. Although Erica mentioned that I have good digital body language, even after talking during this episode, I know that I still have a lot of work to do. And I encourage you to take action after listening to this and begin working on improving your digital body language as well so you can begin building those stronger connections and trust with the people that you're working with. Erica, thank you again for being a guest and helping us all to better communicate digitally. For links to Erica Dewan's book, Digital Body Language, and for a link to a funny video that Eric and I both really enjoyed, which is showing two people not communicating well via text, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 112. Thank you as always for listening, and I'm looking forward to bringing you another Masterclass episode next week.